horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hayo Silver, the Lone Ranger. Hayo Silver! Away! With his faithful Indian companion, Tonto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early west. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. The Lone Ranger rides again. Welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I am Farron, your host, and I am an actor. I am joined here today by Adam. Hello, Adam. Hello, Farron. I am also an actor. I am also joined by Heather, a fellow actor. Hello, Heather. I, too, am an actor. (laughs) So today we're talking about the gloriously acted film, The Legend of the Lone Ranger, which premiered on the 22nd of May, 1981, and I would assume closed on the 28th or 29th of May, 1981. Uh, it was directed by William Fracker, who did a fracking bad job. It was written by Ivan Goff, Ben Roberts, Michael Caine, William Roberts, and Jerry Derlachon. So that took some effort. It's starring Clinton Spilsbury, who I am in- reliably informed is a, uh, a trivia question from the 90s. Uh, Michael Horse, that's the name of the guy who played Tonto. Uh, oh. Christopher Lloyd, Jason Robards, and it's rated PG. Probably would have been rated PG... I don't think it's PG-13 quite, is it? I mean, you don't really see people brutally murdered. You just see them jumping through the air or flying off springboards. Oh, yeah, that, there is that. There is that. It's based on taste, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess. This is a very poor... Very poorly t- <laughs> this movie doesn't taste good, or it's just bad taste, or... How do you put that? Yes. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, notable is that the songs were all sung by Merle Haggard, who... I understand is was kind of a big deal. Yeah, Merle Haggard is a uh, pretty was. big. He's dead of, now. He doesn't do a lot of singing anymore. So. No, but he's still considered a fairly big part of country music history. Is it, is it ballads? Is that his thing? Is that why they chose him? A lot of did a lot of ballads way back in the day. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I, I'll be honest. This is the only stuff I've ever ever heard. Oh, really? I went looking for the soundtrack because I kind of like the ballad. Yeah. The Legend of the Masked Man or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Um, that's as a kid what I what I really loved about this movie, but. The only recording I could find is a dude on YouTube uh-huh. who had the record, who pretty much just like held a microphone up to it. Oh, that's annoying. And it's just not, yeah, that's, no. So this movie cost 18 million bucks to make. Ooh. It cost as much as freaking Raiders of the Lost Ark. More than 15. Yeah. They, they, they must have done up a good proposal or Yeah, they must, have, they must have thought this one was just going to just be a breakout hit. Yeah. It made 12.6 million, so no. Ooh. So... <laughs> I can see why they'd think that. You you slap the Lone Ranger on yeah. something at this point in time, and you yeah, you think it's going to print gold. Well, you know, it's funny because in, like in the 70s, I mean, by the time we were kids, 
Westerns weren't a thing anymore. Not really. Not that I can remember. Re- like repeats, like reruns. Yeah, like the, uh, they were huge at my house. Really? But only because of the big kids. Yeah, see, this was uh, probably the first Western I, I think I ever saw. And as a kid, I adored this film. I actually had the Butch Cavendish uh, action figure. Oh, really? And it was the closest I could get to like an Indiana Jones action figure. Uh, Here I just had, I just had Butch. I think I may have had the Lone Ranger at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't quite remember. I mean, we're talking 1981. I was six yeah. when this came out. But I remember, you know, reading about this that, I mean, not at the time because I was six, but they did like this national talent sh- search. Did they really? For for the Lone Ranger. I swear to God, this was a national talent search. For lead casting as the Lone Ranger. Yes. And he won. And he won. Where did they advertise it? I think maybe Dying he's also a mass murderer and he just knocked <laughs> everyone else off. But yeah, no, he like, he'd been in two, hold on. Let's see. And welcome back to this edition of Farron Googles It. Yeah. Farron already Googled it. Well, true. Uh, so he was in two television shows. Or sorry, a TV movie and a television show. Right. And then this. And then a few other things of not note. Well, um, except for the interview. Well, we'll get to we'll get to the interview. Okay, we'll get to but the yeah, interview. but apparently he thought he'd made it big time. He was the, the next big blockbuster star. And apparently by the time he did a promotional tour, he had taken to drinking. Andy Warhol interviewed him, and I guess he was just drunk out of his mind. And I'll give you an idea of how well this went. I'll read you this paragraph from uh, Wikipedia. Andy Warhol interviewed uh, Spillsbury during his promotional tour, later describing the interview as nutty because Spillsbury was blowing his whole image during their conversation. Spillsbury told Warhol that before making the movie, he had been an art student married to a rich woman and that they had a baby together. He went on to state that he, they did not spend much time together because he needed too much time with his own thoughts, a detail Warhol found amusing. Spillsbury told Warhol that he was a friend of actor Dennis Christopher and had fallen in love with him and that he'd also later fallen in love with actor Bud Court. Uh, Warhol describes Spillsbury as very drunk during the latter part of the interview, and the, he also mentioned that he had been picked up by Halston and woke up in bed with Halston. I'm not sure who Halston is, but yeah. Oh boy. See, when you're drinking during the first part of an Andy Warhol interview, to the point where the end of it, he's describing you as very intoxicated, this is not a good thing. I can't help but think there was a lot of drinking in this movie, mostly when they were counting the receipts. I just... Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is... Uh, like I said, you know, when we do this podcast, we often talk about what I thought of it as a kid. Mm-hmm. I apparently had really bad judgment when I was six. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Did you Did you see this as a kid? Uh, no, I wasn't allowed. <laughs> I had... I had um, you weren't allowed. I, I had some older relatives that I grew up with that protected me from it. For quality's sake or violence? And, sake? No, no, uh, quality, because that's not the Lone Ranger. So I've heard. I've, I've never seen, maybe I should have watched yeah. like, on YouTube yeah. one of the original shows, but... Like the black and white ones? That's the ones that, that they showed the younger set of us, yeah. and that's what we played in the backyard, not this. Yeah, and right. it's, well, it's funny, because we, I just showed you guys the, the Siskel and Ebert interview, and they hated this film. They felt it was overly violent. I, I didn't find it, I mean, even by, okay, by ni- 2019 standards... It's, it's, it's a child's film, but yeah. even by the time, I mean, it's not exceptionally. No, but if you if you compare it to like Temple or Blue, Dark Crystal, yeah. oh my god, yeah, I mean, right, it's not. But if you compare it to, to the actual Lone Ranger, it's tremendously violent. Yeah, I guess it would be, and I, and I think that's really what Ebert was comparing it to. Like you said, I, you know, I thought maybe it's, you know because I had grown up, 
Because it turns out it's because the producers had grown up and they had tried to give it all this weight and dignity that it didn't deserve. And I think they're kind of right. need it either. Yeah, it's the Lone Ranger. For well, I mean, at, at the inception of it, the Lone Ranger was, you know, it's aimed at younger people Kids, that yeah. just had sort of a broader audience. That adults enjoyed it as well. And then you do really see in this how... Okay, well, we're going to move this ahead a little bit. Let's go for, like, the 16 and up crowd. Right? Yeah, the edgy modern take yeah, on this. Like, exactly. And that worked exactly well to $12.6 million worth. That's exactly yeah. how well it worked. I mean, it's, yeah. It, sort of, in that sense, you know, it was very a modern film. They they did similar things to what's happening with a lot of reboots that we're seeing in the, you know, late 2010s right now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, unfortunately, they really are, like, they tried to make the dark, I mean, he compared it to Superman the movie, the Christopher yeah. Reeve, and the first hour of that, have you, you've seen Superman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and sure yeah. you have, yes. yeah. I mean, it's, it's not grim, but it's serious, it takes itself seriously, mm-hmm. but then it's almost a second movie when you, when you see grown-up yeah. Clark Kent, and it comes kind of goofy, and, because it's a freaking comic book movie, and they bloody well know it, so they give the first hour all this weight, and then even as, you know, Roger Ebert refers to, you know, when he goes to change in a phone booth and it's a modern phone booth, yeah. which is just the phone. You know, it's not <laughs> actually a booth anymore. They, they understood what they were handling was a comic book movie. These yeah. guys forgot that it's like Saturday morning matinees. Like this is Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. It's what Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark were going for, except they understood humor. Yeah. These guys tried to go like actually serious. And you don't need a lot of it. It doesn't need to be, you know, slapstick making fun of everything in the past. It's just, mm-hmm. like they mentioned, the little things. And kind of as you compared to the uh, the recent remake of uh, The Lone Ranger. Yeah, the with, 2013 or something yeah, like that. 2013, yeah. where they pull him into the, the TV and he sat around and he's trying to explain things. And the elder yeah. looks at him and goes, did Tonto tell you this shit? Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it's, and that's the thing. Like, it's, you know, here they're still... They're still with the, you know, the wise Indian who can hear the grass grow mm-hmm. and speak to the wind. And it's like, yeah. no, <laughs> you know, it's. Well, to be fair, they don't hammer on it that much. You get a little bit of it at the very beginning. Yeah. But after that, you don't get like the, the wise First Nations man trope. Oh, yeah. But the, the first five minutes, I mean, is there, oh, yeah. is there any, is there any Western trope they missed with the, you know, <laughs> the rancher defending his land against the yeah. bandits, you know, being run off his land and. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the native, and he's a blood brother, and all. Like, yeah. it's, you know, and then the wise native who sits with his blonde wig, which was just, I think, just bad filming. Like, yeah. I think it was, it was meant to be white hair. Probably. Because it looked like blonde. It looked like. It, it really did. It looked yeah. like a platinum blonde wig. I mean, they won't notice. We couldn't, like, uh, you know, it's just, it's a master class in 1950s Western stereotypes. Yeah. That's so. It's like they printed out a list. Yeah. Yeah. Check. Yeah. Check. Even Got a few it. scenes later, you pointed out when they're in the uh, the carriage. Yeah. You know. The businessman. The German the, inventor. Well, that's what I meant. The, oh, uh, the businessman yeah. slash... I thought it was a banker at first, oh, but yeah. The money guy. Yeah. The gambler. Yeah. The woman. The Chinaman. Not a person of from China. This is the stereotypical Chinaman. Yeah. With the long hair and the, the cap, the cap and the yeah. whole nine yards. The people raiding it and then the guy riding shotgun who, of course, falls off because, duh. Yeah. And the guy hopping onto the the stagecoach. It's like, you ever see the movie Hot Fuzz? Yes. Yes. They literally, uh, if you ever listen to the, the director's commentary, when they wrote it, they actually got a Roger Ebert's big book of film cliches. It's an actual book. Oh, really? And they used it as a checklist. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a parody. It is. This was made in earnest. Yeah. It's like they looked at all of them and said, this is the way a Western is made. Yeah. But you're talking full generation at least since... That was a thing, and it just no, you know, it doesn't work. 
So now that you've seen it, this is your first time, I'm assuming. Yes. And 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 your last time, I'm gathering as well. I mean, <laughs> if it were on TV and I were doing other things, I'd let it run in the background. Okay. But it's not something that I'm going to go out of my way to watch. Again. Uh, so, like, what stands out to you that you've seen it this first time? Uh, time? The fact that I don't want to say that it was ahead of its time because it really wasn't. <laughs> but it felt like it feels very reminiscent of what we're like I mentioned earlier, what we're seeing now with like a the, lot of the, reboots, the grim dark reboots. Yeah, so. dark and edgy. Dark and edgy everything. Dark and edgy, edgy. Sabrina. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. Sabrina, the teenage witch is getting a dark and edgy reboot. Oh, it's already out. It's, yeah. it's on oh. Netflix. Anyways. Um, yeah. but what really stands out, I think to me is the, the weird dichotomy that you find in the movie where sometimes it's really fantastic, beautiful cinematography. And then other times it's, you know, it's the native man wearing the blonde wig. And then sometimes you've got really, you know, in semi-intelligent writing it makes sense and fairly coherent and then it's not <laughs> and it's not and then suddenly you've just got dribble stay down mr president you're safer here yes <laughs> it's and spoken with such emotion exactly. is very well, moving that's trust a us kettle of fish. sir yeah. Here's, yeah here's a gun i know we walked into your bedroom in the middle of the night we're handing you a gun and telling you to trust us but trust yeah. us and don't pay attention to the mask yeah, exactly so, so how about you what stands out um i'm i'm developing a theory and and <laughs> I believe that the quality of these movies is inversely proportional to the number of writers. You're yeah. noticing that, yeah. are you? <laughs> well, that's not fair. Commando only took two people, and that movie's shit. Uh, but there's, it, it, there's exceptions to it. Okay. If we look at a spreadsheet average, you know. You're, you're yeah, fair enough. But <laughs> money doesn't seem to make a difference. Does no, it? no, it's no. um. It's Top Gun. May cost fifteen million. Okay, but, minus no, no, the actual yeah. cost, though. Yeah, 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 probably three times that. But uh, eighteen million, I think, is what like Raiders cost. I just want to know <laughs> where the where did it go? What do you mean the money? Yeah, where did the money go? Well, in all honesty, it's a lot of location shooting. That's yeah. that's not cheap. They no. had to build that town. Somebody had to speed up every shot of a horse running. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's very <laughs> that takes time. But yeah, they had to build that town. That couldn't have been cheap. Mm. Yeah. I remember when I saw the, the director's commentary for Thor. Yeah, that town they built it. Oh, really? The whole town they built it because huh. they blew it up, right? Yeah, fair enough. But they said like that was a large chunk of our budget. We had to build a damn building. Of course, they also had to pay for um, marketing for all the different right. stores. But you well, know, I bet they were Thor after that. What's that? <laughs> You should probably cut that out. No, that no, out. no, I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> your shame shall exist for all eternity. 20,000 years from now, aliens will land. They will find a speech by Donald Trump and this podcast. And they will be glad we are gone. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so what stands out to me actually is still the music. I, Despite the fact that the rhyming ain't great, I... I don't know. I just maybe it's because as a kid, that's what really hooked me was Merle Haggard's song. Mm -hmm. The legends tell of men who died to open up. The West. They rode through hell to find their promised land. The legends tell of one who tried to fight for all the rest. His name unknown. 
it's problematic. You know, the men who opened up the West, dude, there were people here. But, you know, it's, I don't know, just something about the song that does it for me. Well, yeah. And I don't like country music. It's very thematic. It fits so well. It tells, you know, regardless of whether you're going to point out historical inaccuracies, it tells a good story. You know, I don't have a problem with historical inaccuracies. Look, I got a degree in ancient and medieval history. I've yet to see a film where I go, hey, that got it right. Yeah. The question is, does it get the feel right? And is it a good story? Like, you got to ask, is it it a good story? And unfortunately, the answer here is, fuck no, right? It's not a good story. But I like the idea that, and I don't think they, they didn't lean into it as much as I remembered them doing it. Remember I said at the beginning, it's almost like the entire story is being told by Merle Haggard. Right. Like, the whole movie is... The Ballad of the Mass Manor, whatever it's called. Yeah. I think they leaned into that more, yeah. but I don't think they were thinking that. I think they're just like, yeah, let's just get this guy to sing a song. I yeah. don't think they were putting things together. I think if someone were to try and make this movie now or recut this movie now, that's how they might do it. Yeah. They, they might hire a new singer to redo the song and do the whole damn thing. Yeah. Not as a musical. Like, I don't expect Tonto, oh, you know, to hop on a horse and start singing, but watch that i'd watch that i wouldn't watch that Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah but like i i wonder if maybe they'd lean more into that but the song the the music still sort of i enjoy it the the music fits it it works yeah you don't really get much more western than country music sung by merle haggard i suppose it's not twangy enough to be real country music i'm not i'm not a fan of country music because it's always about how your dog done died and your girl done left you you know what if i sang like that i'd expect my dog to die and my girlfriend to leave me too well if you go down to nashville they got the big wheel of country music every artist goes there and spins and it's got four quarters it's drink truck woman dog oh is that the way it goes that's how you find out what you're gonna sing about oh cool (laughs) i I, you're 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 the one with the wwf western belt oh please it's not that big Oh my god, with a fucking steer on it and everything. He came here in cowboy boots, you realize. So? Thank you. <laughs> First time I pulled up here, Farron accused me of having a gun rack in the back of my truck, too. I used to have a truck with a gun rack. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but it's the Confederate flag tattooed on your back that I'm bothered by. Well, Farron, I wear a shirt for a reason. <laughs> you say y'all even once during this podcast, I'm editing it out. <laughs> no, that's not a challenge. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> So it starts off with little, is it John Reed? Yeah. yeah. John, John Reed, Reed, yeah. So John Reed is being chased by... No, John no. Reed's not being chased. It's Tonto. That's Tonto's being chased. being chased, right. And he saves him. Yeah. And then realizes, if I hadn't wasted my time saving the, the little twerp, maybe I could have saved my mom and dad because Cavendish's gang is right and shooting, the, is shooting them up. and The terrible bandits go back to the ranch and he runs back and they're screaming Uncle Owen and Yeah, Peru. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I mean, even right there, even in that, there's the, like, all of the, the standard tropes, right? Yeah. Like, he's on his porch, the house is on fire. When he gets shot, he goes flying back through the, uh, through the door. Why? Because that's where they, that's where the, uh, the stagehands with, you know, with the cord, pull now! Yeah. And that's, has anyone figured out, uh, why they dragged his mom behind the horse before they shot her? Because it's a trope. Monsters? It's, it, yeah, they're, yeah, they're bad people and they're, yeah. and it's a trope and they couldn't rape her because it's PG. Yeah. Honest mm, to God, if this, honest yeah, yeah. to God, if this were a, a a rated R film, I'm sure they would have dragged her into 100%. the barn, and you would have heard screaming. And yeah, but it was a kids' film. I mean, you know, Temple of Doom. Notwithstanding, people understood kids were watching these movies. But uh, yeah, and it ends with Tonto uh, feeling either really generous or really kind of guilty that he kept John Reed from rescuing his family, uh, takes him home and adopts him. Well, yeah. John Reed saved his life. Now he's saving John back. But later in the film, he says that uh, he saves John Reed's life, and now they're even. Yeah. Oh, so actually, true. they're not. They're Tonto actually, is owed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, ta- Tonto is owed 
huge. Big time, yeah. Even in the old ones. Ta- yeah. Tonto is, is oh, yeah. yeah. Constantly getting fucked over by this bastard in the mask. Mm, poetic. Reminds me of a <laughs> Yoshi-Mario relationship here. Have you ever seen, never seen that, Joe? No. Uh, well, in Super Mario World, if you were riding Yoshi around, you'd get a, a higher jump if you jumped off of him, and you'd constantly jump off of Yoshi over a pit to get uh, oh, okay. high up and kill Yoshi repeatedly. Bye, okay. Yoshi! Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've never played that game. I played little bits of it, but it was oh, really? Super Nintendo was never my thing. I mean, I, I mean, I, I have it right here, and I've never bothered. All right, but that joke didn't land. I, we can probably. I do have a, I do have a Yoshi, <laughs> a Yoshi amiibo. So he's my favorite character in uh, in um, Mario Kart. So. I'm weird. Anyway, uh, so they go back to his, uh, you know, they take him back to the to the tribe where they call themselves Indians. I like that. Yeah. And that's very accommodating of them. It's almost like the writers didn't give a shit, any of the five of them. Yeah. Was it like a drinking game, you think? <laughs> for what? For for, drink, for, like, for the five of them sitting around a table with with a pad of paper writing this. How many, oh, how yeah. many tribes can we get in? Absolutely. Like, you know, and it's like the wise native with the hair. Drink! You know, woman dragged behind the, uh, you know, the horse. Drink! Yeah, yeah maybe not, but... He's sort of he's raised as a native. They never say how long he's there for. I it can't be very long because he doesn't look a whole lot older from the final shot where his brother comes back yeah. for him than when he does when they first take him. Also, he's still shitty with a bow and riding yeah. a horse. Yeah, I mean, he falls off the horse just as his brother Dan comes to get him. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I didn't catch. That was that just a spearing competition of the target? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Just everyone has sport. Yeah, everyone's got right. sport, you know, but I, I just kind of missed what the point was. If it yeah, was just specifically spearing. Riding and spearing, and, okay. and and apparently he fails at the first and therefore can't do the second. So what are you wow. going to do? And then Dan comes for him. They, You know they don't ever explain he's his brother until later in the film? Yeah, he's just... I And at first, I was really confused because I thought he was yelling, Dad! Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, that's what I thought, and it used to drive me nuts. Like, did I used to think that maybe Dad wasn't killed, Yeah, and that now that he's healed up, he's coming to get his son and send him off. That's what I thought at first. Yeah. And it's just like, all that takes is a, a line. Damn it, John, I'm your brother. I'm your older yeah. brother. I'm responsible for you, but you can't live out here. It's too dangerous. Like, you know, I, I've said this many times in this podcast that yeah. so many of these films suffer from the lack of a line. Like that five seconds it takes to deliver something where the audience goes, oh, okay, I get it now. Mm-hmm. And they just, yeah. Or, you know, or call him something that doesn't sound like dad. Yeah, that's another that's another kicker. Like, why choose Dan? Well, but did he have a brother named Dan in the original? Not that I recall. They they didn't. There is no they didn't origin really, story for him, is there? But I was I yeah, was like kid. seven. Yeah, so. I know. It's, there are also some things that just don't need an origin story, yeah. I suppose. Well, and that's the play thing. the music, shoot the gun, ride the horse, yeah. go get the William Tell Overture going. That's the yeah. famous yeah. Lone Ranger song. Yeah, so off he goes, and then. It's later on. I mean, I, and he's a lawyer. It means he's probably in his mid twenty. Well, in that time, no, he would have just like, early twenties, mid twenties. Yeah, like there. Abraham Lincoln was a lawyer. He he never he never did a day of school. Well, it's like, like medicine so, at that point. Yeah, country. Well, they they had medical school, but for country doctors, yeah, there was no medical school. There was you worked with another country doctor yeah. who taught you what he knew, yeah. and that's maybe somewhere down the line. Someone in that guy's past, like someone down that line, that chain, had actually attended a quote unquote medical school. Yeah. But honest to God, medical schools in the 1870s, yeah. well, New York and Chicago, yeah. uh, Toronto and Montreal would have had them. You've, you've um, got a few, but for a long time in the 1800s, it was all patent medicine, all people working at a carpet bag. Well, yeah, well, yeah, the snake oils. Yeah, but but an actual Ooh, country God. doctor. Like for me, when I think of country doctor, I always think of Doc Baker from Little House on the Prairie. Right. That's what what I grew up with. I assume you saw them as a kid. 
Not if I could help it. Really? I, I love, I, I actually, I have them all. I have a whole series. I adore it. Oh, wow. To me, that's the country doctor, Doc yeah. Baker. Right. And, and a lot of these country doctors, in, in, in China, they call them barefoot doctors. Mm-hmm. It means the same thing, uneducated doctors. Yeah. And these were doctors who, they, they sort of figured out as they went. Like there's no, in, if they had formal training, maybe it was like a year of college. If that. Like we often forget that teachers, teaching college was often, te- teachers college was one year. Yeah. And then off you went. Yeah. And the same for for lawyers was a little better, but it wasn't like now where you had to pass the bar and the whole nine yards. Like Again, look up Abraham Lincoln, who we're talking about. Abraham Lincoln was probably a practicing lawyer when this movie, when John Reed was a kid. Yeah. I don't, th- I don't think he ever went to university. I think he just sort of did some studying and called himself a lawyer. Probably. I mean, it, it took a lot of fighting just for the American Medical Association to come in and start implementing and saying, no, you're not a doctor. Yeah. We're doctors. You're so just a guy. Yeah. And so, you know, with, with, with John Reed being a lawyer, I mean, he obviously went to school because Dan calls him on that. So if he's yeah. back east, he went to some university. But my guess is he's not any older than about – he's probably – how old are you? I'm 26. I think you're probably older than he was. Or older than the character because well, Spillsbury here – he looks like he's late twenties, mid twenties, somewhere in there. Pushing thirty, almost thirty. Yeah, he's, right? he's got. Well, he's just. You know what it is? It's just the um, the flow. Is it the flow? The flow. His hair. The hair. Flowing hair. Well, who knows? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe now he's like me. He's going bald. God damn you, Father Time. Anyway, and genetics. <laughs> I hate genetics. But uh, no, I, I mean, I get the impression he's. It's just the way he carries himself. I don't know what it is. He's got. Okay. He's got a. His voice is a little deeper. Yeah. The, the sort of deepness that men, male voices, tend to get. A, about when you hit 30. Okay. And that's just sort of the, that's the feel I get. I don't know about you guys, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah. He, but yeah, John Reed ain't an old man. He's no. not, no, he's not grizzled. He's not particularly wise. No, he really isn't or smarter, but he is a very good actor with a great emotional range. Right. So then we get the next set of uh, stereotypes, which is the coach ride, which as we said, includes the, uh, the virginal woman, the businessman, the gambler, who of course has his cards with him, the Chinaman, and again, not a not a gentleman from China, a Chinaman. Yeah. Like right out of the right out of the stereotypes. You put it perfectly. Our our racial sensitivity double feature isn't quite over yet, is it? <laughs> so <laughs> there's one more. Yeah. I swear to God, we're not wearing robes. You know, there are no hoods in this room. Um, we're all pretty woke people here, but uh, which I keep having to say because we're doing all these racially insensitive movies. But welcome to the eighties, ladies and gentlemen. Very true. And then there's the guy riding shotgun. Back in it, like back in the day when that was literally shotgun. Literally, that's where the term comes yeah. from. It's literally the guy on the coach with the shotgun. And this um, is the part that bothered me first. The first thing that really bugged oh, me. Oh yeah, what, what what bothers you so? So far is okay. We we have the carriage ride. We have the introduction of the character uh, carriage. I'm not saying carriage stagecoach. Stagecoach. Thank you. Stagecoach. stagecoach. Uh, we have the stagecoach ride, and we're introduced to the characters, and then we cut to the uh, the bandits attacking the stagecoach. And there's as generic as possible with the burlap sack masks, like yeah. right out of every yeah, very yeah. Very bland and generic yeah. in it. We've got a very nice set of shots oh scarecrow, yeah, oh yeah, scarecrow <laughs> that came it's, later, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's beautiful, it's well shot. It's, oh yeah, it's absolutely a, gorgeous. And the music is great, and except for the continuity guy was obviously drunk at this point <laughs> because they've got the guy riding shotgun. Yeah, he is at one point sitting forwards. In the next shot, he is laying on top of the box or the. Uh, the suitcase, the baggage. The, back. the next shot, he's leaning over the side of the coach. In the next shot, he's facing for. And this is like quick cuts, and it just it bugged the crap out of me because that's all I could see the entire time. <laughs> and they all went to the stormtrooper school of accuracy. 
Yeah, well, this is that's, true. That's relatively accurate though, for the for shotgun the, for the stuff. Yeah, yeah, like these six shooters are. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you're you're holding a an explosive in your hand, and well, it's not exactly a well shaped charge. Well, there's a reason why pistol duels are at ten paces. You're twenty yeah. paces apart, and you have to be good aim to hit the guy. Yeah, yeah. It, in reality, a stagecoach heist like this, you could shoot all day, buddy. You're probably not going to hit much unless you yeah. drive up beside the horse and yeah. and plug it. Oh, well. <laughs> PG. They didn't do it. It's a PG movie. Well, all the horses fell down, but they got up again. Yeah, so it works. That was actually cool. The stunt riding? Yeah. They did oh, really well with yeah. The and there's I mean, there's some cost there. Oh, yeah. Having, you know, probably half a dozen, if not more, stunt riders. Mm-hmm. Even in the 80s, when, you know, I imagine a lot of these guys, have, you know, 50s and 60s was the golden age of, of um, Western movies. Yeah. I'm sure these guys are still around, but they probably wanted a lot of money to do this damn film. Probably. So, I imagine there's a lot of money that went into... You know, highly trained horses. Oh, yeah. Highly trained riders. It takes a lot of work to teach a horse how to let you fall off of it and not freak out. It takes a lot of work to convince a horse to lay down and get back up again. Yeah. And all these... Yeah, I imagine... I I forgot who I spoke to, who was someone I spoke to. And they had said that a lot of these horses have fun with it. Yeah. When they do these dives, Mm -hmm. like they get a kick out of it. So they want to do it. It's fun for them because you make it fun. You don't make it... Yeah, torturous. But it, it uh, takes a lot of training. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I mean, I watched uh, two weeks ago. My mother. I finally convinced my mother to watch the Last Samurai. And oh. There's that samurai. There's that cavalry charge at the very end, and it's amazing how none of those horses get hit mm. by the four or five Gatling guns cranking away. <laughs> and like, yeah, I get it. They only want to show so much, but there comes a point where maybe CG. It's, it's time to go a little bit CG and yeah. It's not a kids' film. It's okay. You can, you know, yeah. horses can get hurt. Yeah. So. Well. I, I get I, it. I get it. At it's, one point in my life, I I was a fourteen year old girl, so I still have a soft spot for horses. Oh, I'm a forty three year old man, and I still have a soft spot for all creatures of the earth. But, yeah. but you know, at some point, realism has to get in. But this isn't realism. There's there's no there's no pretense that this is real. Like like yeah. you said, they had a checklist. They printed off this. Oh yeah. Stereo- and I'm fine with that because that's what they were going for. Yeah. You know, this is the beginning of this theory uh, in Hollywood called high concept. Take the concept um, space opera. A Western. And they make the ultimate Western movie, or the ultimate war movie, or the ultimate, you know, disaster movie. That's what all Devlin's stuff are, like Independence Day and, what is it, The Day After Tomorrow. Those are all high-concept movies. In other words, it's all about the idea, screw the character, screw the plot, let's just watch this thing. And Michael Bay does a lot of that shit. And those films never, like, they're never good. Ever. Well, yeah. yeah, you can you can have something that's the big central event all you want, but at the end of the day, if it's happening to uninteresting people, then doing uninteresting things, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so we have the stereotypical cage uh, stagecoach robbery, right. but it ends with the heroes winning, which yeah. was kind of surprising. no way. I know it's shocking, isn't it? And uh, actually, I honestly figured they were. I had forgotten that they had captured these two. I thought they got away. I would forgotten. Oh. That's oh. usually how the stagecoach robbery at the beginning works, because then you spot the guy later in the crowd. Yeah. Oh, you remember his boots. Yeah, yeah, you remember his boots, or he's wearing that watch he stole off you, and you. Ch- I, that, I'd forgotten. I saw this a couple of years ago, and clearly it stuck with me. So yeah, so they get into town, and we know they get into town because some young town crier. Uh, I'm not sure who the hell this kid is, just racing in and screaming. Everyone was killed. Well, dude, the stagecoach is 30 seconds behind you, so you didn't get a lot of, <laughs> not a lot of tail on that on that lie. You know. Was- yeah, how did he get out ahead of the stagecoach? How did he find out that? Lots of people died, and then got to town before the stagecoach. He read the co- he read the script. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter yeah, I don't. 
I don't think Twitter goes back that far. I Merlin. should. Oh, right. Merlin. <laughs> Fucking Merlin, man. Yeah. Summer Raimi's home playing with his daughter and twitches. <laughs> feel the disturbance of the force. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Raimi would be here for us today, but he forgot to tell his wife he had his recording scheduled. So she wasn't happy and neither was his daughter. So we're doing this movie instead of the Dungeon Master. That's I'm, okay. That's you guys are all going to hear the Dungeon Master soon enough. Soon enough. One, one day it's coming, I promise. It might have even been before this one comes out. Who knows? Well, it depends. But yeah, at some point this season, we're hoping to get the Dungeon Master in, but then... Yeah. Uh, scheduling and this podcast, two things that never shall meet. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, back to the, this g- gripping movie. Uh, we discover that the woman, Amy Stryker, is yes. her name? Striking. Boo. I'm um, helping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm helping. Uh, she meets her uncle, who's the editor of the local newspaper in some time. Ten- What's the town's name? Del Rio? Del Rio. Del Rio. He runs um, the Del Rio Dispatch. The Del Rio Dispatch. That's right. And so she's on her way to San Francisco and John Reed, who up until now, has had lines, and we've not noticed them because he was acting them in a... Well, no, you know. we forgot the important bonding moment in the uh, right. stagecoach. Where over, over the author who they never we, named. Yeah, they never named this author, but it's a century of despair, a century of regret, mm. a century of watching this movie. Over yes, over yeah, a century of despair. <laughs> <laughs> She's a wonderful writer, isn't she? Are you familiar with her? Well, actually, I prefer Century of Dishonor. I haven't read it. Well, you should. That would be if the uh, the writers of the film lived to be a hundred. But oh, well, he uh, was he was very chivalrous. He yeah, he, he opened the door for her. He gave her the seat twice. And she was all nineteen eighties proto faux feminist. I can do it myself, and then winds up in her lap. And mm-hmm. exactly how some douchebag writer from Hollywood imagine feminism is. And she is remarkably unchaperoned for the period. Yeah. I'm not sure how big a deal that would have been in in the, in the Uni- in North America or in mm, Europe, really. Like it's I hand her off to the stagecoach guy. Yes, yeah, possibly at the party later. No chance. You don't think so? No. Her her uncle is falling down on the job. <laughs> well, as we'll see later, her uncle is hoisted up quite well. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's punished for his sins. <laughs> so yeah, so, he should have stayed at the party. Just stay at the party, absolutely. But we wouldn't have a movie. He should have stayed yeah, at the party. Stayed the party. party. So, so yeah, John Reed heads off to meet. Now we know that Dan is his brother, who's a Texas Ranger. Yes. The Texas Rangers are, if you ever have a chance to read a history of them, they're really cool. Mm-hmm. They they were part of Texas before, when Texas was actually an independent republic. Yeah. Like the Republic of Texas. And the Texas Rangers were kind of like, not their army, but the militia. Like yeah, they were. Sort of a standing militia. Think of like the Northwest Mounted Police before they came the RCMP. They're yeah. kind of like that. And God damn it, they're still around. Yeah. They're kind of like U.S. Marshals, but at the state level. Mm-hmm. They don't have state police, I don't think. I'm not sure exactly what the Rangers do. I know it's not riding around on horses, but no. like it's a big traditional thing, and they're super proud of it. And they, you know, it's it stuck around for a very long time. It, it, well, 1830s, so 1930s. So we're approaching 200 years of these guys. Yeah. This particular group of Rangers are kind of dumb, though, unfortunately. Well, I mean, some of them seem to have some bright moments. But. Yeah, and then we get more stereotypes, like, you know, Dan saying, One day she just packed up, took Danny back to Richmond. Well, maybe she'll change her mind. <laughs> no. Not only make it safe out here, safe so a man can raise a family and provide for Holy shit, that's almost the Wilhelm scream.
like that, uh, you know, being so as a man can't. Well, his wife took his son and left. That's right. Until she can make it safe. That's right. Mm-hmm. Did his dog done died? Probably. I would imagine. His truck done broke down? He didn't have a truck. But his horse, horse has a His life. horse, yeah. His horse, horse <laughs> broke down. Got to take it to the mechanic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or one bullet. Well, see, I wasn't going to go that morbid with it, but. <laughs> because this is such a joyous film. And so he explains who, you know, Cavendish is that, you know, he's, he's this, this. Former general. Well, that comes later. Later they mention he was a major in the Union Army who. No, was he just, just says that he was dishon- dishonorably discharged. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, yeah, that is mentioned to this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, yeah, he's grabbing land, but no one seems to know why yeah. until that's that's at the end of the film. What do they call the Republic of New Texas? He wants to say, yeah. start his own country again. Wait, I remember Superman, Man of Steel. I'm going to create my own continent. That's in Superman <laughs> Returns. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it was on the checklist. Yeah, it was on the checklist. It was on the checklist. <laughs> Fair for enough. Sure. And then we actually get to see Cavendish. Butch Cavendish lived undisturbed, waging his private war. And men who made mistakes were simply men he could not afford. Some say he was a monster, and others called him mad. Let's just say Butch Cavendish was everything that's bad. Who has the like, the worst the worst base ever? The main road is a river. Though I mean, like if you want to look at it from a strategic point of view, it kind of makes sense. Forcing somebody to come in on a river is going to give you until it floods. Okay, yeah, but we're not looking that far down the road. It's only going to be like six weeks till he uh, till he discovered or founds New Texas. Fair enough. He's, he's doing this quickly. Yeah. And it's Christopher Lloyd. It's <laughs> Doc Brown. Doc Brown and a dude from Taxi. Or the scary judge from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And the best actor in this whole movie. He is. He's actually a very good actor. But yeah, he, I think it was, you know, he had just finished um, Taxi. I'm not even sure if Taxi had lasted this long. I don't, I don't know what the uh, running days of Taxi were. Taxi wasn't too bad. More yeah. than one season, at least. Oh, yeah, there's several. But yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, he, I think he said, I, I want to be a bad guy. Yeah. Like, can I be the bad guy? And I got to admit, as wooden as he is, he's the one guy I can accept being wooden because he's a sociopath. Yeah. It starts off, you realize he's treating these guys like an army. Because yeah. that's probably the happiest time of his life when he was, you know, a war criminal in a civil war. And he you know, arranges for the execution of these two guys from the uh, the stagecoach. Here's the interesting thing. They never say anything, eh? No. no. They say, what's going to happen to these two guys, you know, when they, they catch them from the stagecoach robbery? We're taking them to San Antone. You know, San Antone, I guess that's the way. Yeah, but hang on a sec. Are these the same? These are yes, the same. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. This is where we learn the sheriff is corrupt. Well, they say that right away. Well, they do. The they, sheriff, the sheriff wears, wears black. black but, mm, you know. but the sheriff delivers them to this guy. So, yeah, But they never actually state it. So if you're not paying attention, you like for years, I just assumed, I'll be honest, until I watch it this time, I just assumed these were just two soldiers were, were coming in the middle of a disciplinary issue and he's That's having them shot. what I assumed. It was not until this viewing that I realized, uh, holy shit, these are the two yeah. guys that John Reed captured on the stagecoach. Uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then got captured and screwed it up because... But he stopped to to loot the bodies. Yeah, yeah. the bodies and they either made their masks or their, their masks taken. And off, his so. friends is like, "Come on, come on, we gotta go." And they're he's yeah, like, okay, yeah. that yeah. makes sense now. But I again, there are scenes that could have been added that would have made this a good movie, yeah. including you know John Reed checking in on these prisoners and finding they're gone, and the, you know the the sheriff saying, "Don't you worry," you know something yeah. like that. Like that would have added character and plot. But we're busy with yeah. the, whatever. Yeah. We're busy and, with trying to be deep and heavy. 
more stereotypical and you know. Well, right. I, again, like, well, like, like even Roger Ebert said, like they're trying to add a weight and a dignity that that these films don't that this the story doesn't need. I think that they could have done it. I think that there could be weight and dignity added to this. They just didn't. But then it's it. not the Lone Ranger. Then it's something else. It's just a yeah. good western. It's True Grit. Yeah. Or okay. you know the three fifteen to That's Yuma, fair. whatever the hell that name of that. Yeah, like it's three ten to Yuma. That was a decent film. But yeah, it's so. He's a psychopath. He watches these guys get executed, and you have like the most inappropriate pan ever, which is shooting two guys transitions into the Day of the Dead. Yeah. So we have a date for this, which is October thirtieth. Right. It's the day but, before Halloween, right? Uh, I or think the day so. after? I don't. Yeah. Know. I think it's the day before. Anyway, uh, something like that. But yeah. just before we go on from that last scene, there, mm. um, maybe you guys have more knowledge about this than I do. Why do they pull their boots off before they execute them? Because boots are expensive. Fair enough. Like, I kid you not, like, boots are... Yeah. Like, even in the Civil War, mm-hmm. you took their boots off. Okay. And, and maybe that's because Cavendish was a Civil War officer. This is what you right. do. You keep their boots, yeah. Yeah, because the boots are going to someone else. I mean... <laughs> dead when boots. I was in the Army. Well, yeah, I mean, my boots... boots were a thing. Yeah, yeah my, my boots were not new when I got them. At least one of them wasn't. One set wasn't. Oh, jeez. Um, I thought you meant like left. <laughs> Your left one of them was wasn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right foot was blown off. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, they didn't even clean the blood off. Uh, no, but one of them was. It was clearly had been because I looked at it and someone else had written it. And he says, "Don't worry, he used it for. He had it for two days or something." Yeah, okay. uh, and I, I, got I got my own boots after basic, but yeah, yeah. It's funny because they wouldn't take mine back. Because I had like the one, you know, the you always get that one super comfortable pair of combat boots mm-hmm. and that you wear in garrison. You don't give a shit if they have grip. I still got them in my closet because they didn't want them back. Their treads and those suckers have thick treads on them. Smooth, like they didn't want them back in in those days. Like we think now, boots are not a hard thing to come by, but in the 1800s, a well-made pair of leather boots with wooden soles would have been expensive. Yeah, and so yeah, so they keep they kept them. Yes, the nature of war in that time, you can't, there isn't a supply drop coming. Right. I have a question too, actually. If if we're on the topic, why did they sit them down? I don't know. Maybe so they don't wig out at the last moment and pass out. Though eight men to kill two guys. That's a thing. That's a thing. Is that a thing? Okay. Because the shitty aim, right? You just got to make sure. So. And you don't know whose bullet it was. And I, I knew about that, where you well, give some they, people a blank until... But they don't, yeah. you know, one guy one guy is swapped out with a blank. Yeah. But here they don't even do that. Yeah, I'm not really a, an expert in like military executions, strangely enough. Oh. Damn, Farron. I have a book called Lord High Executioner, but that's about execution, uh, civil executions in England. Huh. It's a good book. Anyway. Um, Let's get back to the movie. <laughs> get back to the movie. <laughs> Or maybe I'd rather stand in front of a firing squad. Did you ever think about that? Well. Um, so, yeah. So, then there's the party. And as you point out, Amy is uh, woefully uh, – uh, they are woefully inadequate in their um, their escorting of her. There is not six inches for the Lord between them, uh, between Reed and her. And yep, they get the, to suck face for a while. Oh, well, maybe they're just progressive because maybe her uncle was her wingman, not her shepherd. Everyone who believes that, raise your hand. And that's what I thought. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, there's oh, the – and he gives her a new book. He gives her the book. The, the, the book of despair, or the, whatever. The, the, it was. Yeah, the yeah, the century of malcontent, or something like that. Yeah, the <laughs> millennium of ill odor. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they're off flirting, and while and while he's and while he's uh, busy flirting with uh, Amy, uh, Cavendish's gang is uh, killing his uncle. This is you know, I'm starting to figure this movie is all about people being distracted who could otherwise have saved their family. So far, we've got that. Well, Tonto distracting. John Reed, who can't save his family. Mm-hmm. And now we have uh, John Reed. Yeah. Distra- uh, oh, pass it on, yeah. Yeah, it's like, so I guess Amy at some point will distract someone else and it'll lead to 
I don't know, the First oh. World War. Oh my god, I see it now. It's so clear. While they're off at this party flirting, and it's like, there's no, there is no chemistry between those two. I have a feeling you're going to be a very important lawyer. I just want to make sure the West has an honest system of justice. Oh, you sound just like my uncle. Here. Oh, you remembered a century of dishonor. Thank you. I'd like to keep. I will. Will you write me and tell me how you like San Francisco? Yes, of course. Maybe you could send some articles or stories that you've written. Of course. I guess this is goodbye. No, no, none. Like there is none. She's not a bad actress. No, she's no, not. She's she right. does an alright job. But he is very monotone. Yeah. monotone. There's, there's nothing for her to act against. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, was he going for that, that smoldering look? Like, is that what he was I, like? Hi. Yeah. Was I, that what I he was going for? If it's just like I'm trying to be aloof in the way that it makes me cool, because it seems like I don't care. I don't know. I, I was getting this the smoldering that smoldering. Harlequin romance bullshit thing going. I don't know. I'm not a girl. It doesn't work on me one way or the other. There needs to be some sort of a flame for there to be anything smoldering. Fair this enough. was just cold ashes. You, so you're saying you're not, you weren't swooning over John Reed? Not particularly. Not particularly. No. Okay. And so, yeah, it's like it's your standard, like the party is just your standard. It's a me- it's, Mexican party at the it time. It was on the checklist. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was on the checklist, like you say. Yeah. So they go off in, in in search of these these Cavendish guys, and John Reed goes with them, and he's given. Uh, Given a star. Uh, given the star, because you can't be shooting outlaws without that. You ought to know that. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but whatever. It's <laughs> yeah. And it's... then we have them exploring into a box canyon, which is obviously not a trap. Yeah, no, totally not a trap. Uh, and then they send a guy into the uh, into the canyon. You guys kept he saying, volunteered. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah but you, and you guys kept yeah. saying, doesn't he? Doesn't he have a red shirt? Oh, he's got a red vest. It's like and I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then and then you realize, no, he's he's part of this. Yeah. Um, I thought it was for some reason. I thought it was two guys, but yeah, just the one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and he then did it, say us. Well, yeah, that's right. He did say. Do you want us to us go? To, you're right. Maybe he meant his horse. He's, he's very close to his horse. Very close to his horse. All right, no women out there. On. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is not the movie we're... <laughs> no. PG. No, we're not, I don't know what that movie is, and no, we're not no, doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Editing is... No. Yeah, and so there's there's the massacre, and everyone's uh, covered in, like, I guess it's ketchup, or... Th- that was some bad blood. Like, that was like the, the, the glo- that was like the red blood from Dawn of the Dead. You ever seen that? I haven't seen Dawn of the Dead, no. You, you haven't seen the blood from Dawn of... Oh, wait. Actually, okay. Um, oh, come just, on. Okay. Is, is that, like, jello... Jello level blood? Or? No, it's just really red. It's raspberry jam. That oh, was it raspberry jam? Oh yeah. That just, okay. Like it's so bright. It's <laughs> red paint. It's red. Hey, paint. It's it's <laughs> red. It's barn paint. Yeah. It's barn paint. Yeah. It's like you know, for eighteen million bucks, you think they could have found a few bucks for uh, eighteen million dollars somewhere in there. There was money to be had for real blood. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, it's all like super oxygenated blood. Maybe that's what it is. But, uh, well, I mean, yeah. we've already discovered these bullets don't do it. We, we, we missed the, the best part of that stagecoach, which is the, uh, the stagecoach robbery, which is the, oh, God. the uh, driver. 
Yeah. Because the stagecoach, what is a uh, driver? Stagecoach driver. Yeah. yeah. And he shot like full on in the back. Yeah, he gets shot in the back. And of, walking it off. Well, he, first he falls he's, over yeah. the front of the stagecoach. Like, he, it looks like he's going into the horses. So and I then, just assumed yeah. he was gone. And John Reed had to climb out of yeah. the yeah. yeah. over yeah. there. But then at the end, yeah. he's the one taking the two captured guys at gunpoint. He seems just fine yeah. as opposed to suffering from a bullet wound and collapsed lung. And You can see the hole in his vest, but he's not even <laughs> stiff. Yeah, exactly. He hops <laughs> off. All right, y'all, I'm out of here. See ya. Yeah, so we discovered that on everyone went to the Stormtrooper uh, uh, school of shooting. Yeah. Because, holy shit, these rangers, firing under fire, firing up into the canyons, are able to pick these guys off one at a time. Yeah. But there's so many of Cavendish's men. You I know. mean, I guess, but there's also a lot of empty space there, too. So Yeah, but they're the rangers. They are the rangers. That's true. So, yeah, so, <laughs> so there's a slaughter, and it ends with Dan dying on top of John executed by the hand of Butch Cavendish himself, who we learn yes. is legitimately quite a shot. He is. I mean, that I bought. Yeah, that I bought. A shot. For um, sure. I, but I, but he, they make a point of showing that he's a good shot, yeah. and I bought that. Yeah. Because you get the impression this is a guy who, you know, he never got over his days in the army, yeah. and he likes that. He likes killing. And, 100%. You know, yeah. so. Well, I had no problems with Cavendish. Yeah. He, no. he, he Cavendish was really probably, well done. Yeah, he's probably my favorite character in this movie. Yeah. Well, as opposed to what? He's just the only good character. But yeah, no, he is, he is my favorite too. I agree. You know, Cavendish shoots the traitor in the leg, and he actually says it would look mighty suspicious if the only, uh, you know, if the only survivor was unhurt. Exactly. And then he rides off. And I like just how deadpan he is. Like, you'd say, well, he's deadpan. Everyone, but, but that's the point. Here it works because yeah. he's a sociopath. Yeah. He's, um, he's had all that humanity drained out of him by years of civil war. Yeah. And then, yeah, so then Tonto finds him because, of course, he does. Because <laughs> well, because he's hunting for people who killed his he's hunting his for people wife who and son killed his wife and son. son. But we're never quite sure. Did that happen just recently, or did it happen a while ago? Mm-hmm. But he's tracking Cavendish's man, and he comes across. Wouldn't you know it? Kimo Sabi. How does he know? Because he has that metal amulet amulet around his. That's more metal than this tribe would have had. They would never have used it for an amulet. They would have used it for, for bullets. That's right, because it was silver, wasn't it? It yeah. was. God damn it! And there are werewolves about. Wait, different movie. Yeah, different movie. You also you don't need the bullet because remember Wolfman has nards. <laughs> there are important Seriously, lessons. Seriously, that I line haunted me for twenty years. There, there are there are lessons you learn from eighties movies. Important life lessons: the girl always trips, the virgin always dies, and Wolfman mm-hmm. has nards. The virgin never dies. Oh, sorry, sorry, losing your virginity. Then you die. Then you die, and the Wolfman has nards. Kick him there. So anyway, uh, these are. These are life lessons. We came from the 80s is about life lessons. I mean, at some point in time, we just need to do a supercut of all the different life lessons. Everything from, uh, uh, I've got the need for speed. Uh, we're going to send those fuckers a Rambo gram. <laughs> some line from, uh, pick something I, out of I, this. Yeah, I let him go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ammunition loading from yeah, commando. Yeah. Firing from the hip in, I don't know, everything. everything yeah. <laughs> so, so he, he drags him back and, what I, I do like is that the, the chief gives Tonto shit. It's like, these people steal our land. They have broken every promise except one. They said they were going to take our land, and they did it. What are you bringing this guy here before? And I actually kind of like that. There's a movie in there somewhere, like a good movie in here. Yeah, like, it, I mean, it, it's got a great premise. It's what Dances with Wolves was based on. It's what a lot of things have been based on. Or but, Avatar know. or Last Samurai. Or, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there's somewhere in there, there's a good movie. Just we didn't Not watch it. There, yeah, no. <laughs> it was so close though. It was the yeah. like 
the camera work, the scenes, the music, if only they had a movie to put with it. Very close to parallel trajectories and then just at some point kind of ricocheted off each other. Yeah. Well, it's one of these things. I mean, every so often I get the impression in Hollywood, someone says, ah, oh, fuck it. These kids will watch anything. Yeah. And I am supported by this by the continued, re- continued release of Transformers movies. So. What, you can't run across Egypt, Egypt in an afternoon? Wait, what? You can't? Oh, shit. I got to Oh, change I thought it. that was you that told me that. Oh, sorry. I must be wrong. I gotta change some plans. I, I thought it would only take the afternoon. Oh, you're, you're gonna be a busy boy. Yeah. I can ride, I'll have you know that in Assassin's Creed Origins, I could ride across Egypt in 45 minutes on a horse. In Assassin's Creed Origins, you can also ride a unicorn. So, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they, if you put those two together, I could actually believe it. Yeah. yeah. Well, then there's the fire marriage. Wait, that's from Kroll. That's, we'll do that. We gotta time. do Kroll. We gotta do Kroll. <laughs> yeah, so he learns to shoot with his left hand. I can't help but think that him being a bad shot had less to do with the metal in his bullets as he's shooting with his left hand. And also he suffered large blood loss because he lay in the burning Texas sun for a day with four bullets in him. Yeah. Just heat stroke, head trauma, blood loss. Like, let's just... Using his oh, left we hand. skipped the magic healing. Oh, yeah. We That's just, right. There's that. generic... There, there's stereotypical there's the generic healing native healing. Using yeah. alfalfa and prayer. Well, he sniffed it first. He sniffed it first. Well, if you can... If, you, if you're you going to act in a movie like this, you want to be high when you do it. So You want to make sure you put the right thing on there. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, because if it were moss instead of alfalfa, he could grow a tail or... I don't know how... Well, I know. I always rub my nose on a dressing before I apply it to the wound. You were a good medic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I got a drip here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there are three medics in this room, and we're all going... We are all going to hell for this. So, anyway... <laughs> Now that magically healed John Reed uh, is learning to shoot with his off hand, we discover that the reason he needs silver bullets, which are conveniently machined in the local machine shop that the natives have, but okay, they have metal bullets, a handful of them, and apparently he's going to waste them blowing some poor bastard's arrows, who now can't feed his family, because he has no arrows to hunt the buffalo. They were probably the broken ones. Sure. Bent, you know. Well, they were after, at least. Bent? They're wooden arrows. They don't. Uh, yeah, but they yeah, you can they split the 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 fletching comes out. You know, yeah. yeah. Eventually, arrows. They were out. I'm convinced there's some hunter out there who couldn't feed his family because fucking John Reed is out there shooting silver bullets. All right, so are we just going to go with the theory that John Reed's a giant asshole and everything is? Well, that's a given. I mean, he's, I don't actually. I don't think he's enough of a human being to be an asshole. You just assume he's a, what a cyborg. It's from the future. No, he'd be more interesting if he was a cyborg. Yeah, he's, he's got just, the personality for it, though. He is just yeah, a very enough. good actor who has a lot of range of emotion in his speaking. Beep boop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then and then we meet Silver, the horse. Right. And he apparently can tame him in like an afternoon, which is pretty kick-ass cool. That's at least a um, day or two. Yeah. But again, still. Well, not, they save him rational. first. He's he's stuck in the canyon. And yeah. I, I will admit the slow motion bit where he's trying to, like, where he's riding the horse, he's being bucked in slow motion. I actually thought that was kind of cool. I thought the music worked well. I just could have done it without the grunting. Yeah. You, Everything you, about that scene was great, minus the part where he's going <clears throat> over this, you know, decent music and fairly well shot scene.
Yeah, and you know that was edited in, so yeah. that was a choice by the editors and the director. Let's add Spilsbury grunting. Yeah. Please come in and grunt for us for yeah. a couple of hours. I- I'm trying to picture that in the recording studio. No, grunt more! Come on, Clinton, give us your inner... Yeah, what was the sound direction there? Absent. <laughs> <laughs> Absent. Or absinthe. I, I think that is also a possibility. I think. So And so in the meantime, he becomes a good shot and he, yes. he, he manages this horse and the horse is smarter than him, I'm convinced. Oh, 100%. Oh, boy. You know. Um, also, you pointed out it's not a boy. Yeah. And its eyes kept changing color. Yeah, you mentioned that. Well, it's, it's not surprising they had to use it's, multiple It's horses. two or three horses, yeah. yeah. But that's something you go like, well, we, no, they got to match. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. You know what it was? They're just, a lot of this is literally them looking at the audience going, yeah, the audience isn't going to notice that shit. Yeah. Who cares? Just like how many takes of that guy being catapulted <laughs> did they they leave on the floor to choose the one where we could see the springboard? Yeah. It, I'm, I'm going to guess like zero. It's hard. It really is hard <laughs> to tell. Um, I mean, a, a shot like that would have been expensive with the explosives and the horse, and, and yeah. that freaks out the horses. So the only times you can do it. And, yeah. But we're way ahead of ourselves. There's so much more great movie between now and then. Uh. I'm lying. <laughs> so they then suddenly he goes back and he buries himself. He creates another grave where apparently Tonto buried the other rangers. That would have been a nice touching scene yeah. to see the two of them go back and bury them. But no, we get to see him bury himself and then swear to Dan in his. His monotone voice, I promise I will protect your children in Texas. Thanks, buddy. And then he's in this kick-ass looking, okay, not kick-ass looking, but certainly well-refined looking costume. He looks nothing like anyone around him. No. So where the hell did he get all this? He can't ride back into town to go and buy a new outfit. Pretty sure the natives won't won't be served in the local clothing shop. Pretty Mm -hmm. sure on top of that, that... Just how much did that cost? He got it from he got it from the costume designer. It's but it's sort of like, you know what actually what it reminded me when I saw it uh, the Marty McFly's outfit when he goes into the past in Back to the Future Three. Oh, yeah. remember the nineteen yeah. fifties yeah. with all the frills and yeah. shit and what the hell are you dressed in? <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, but I mean, like even if it had just been like if they'd done a similar look with different. Like fabric, like a yeah. buckskin. But tunic. what it was is they wanted to trigger the audience. Oh, that's yeah, that's the Lone Ranger, and that's how he looked in the fifties. We just have to go with it. So he stands out now like a sore thumb. Yeah, because he doesn't look like anyone else around no. him. Like Lee, I'll give a credit to the the new one from twenty thirteen with Johnny Depp, which is an abysmal film. Mm-hmm. He looked like he belonged in the same world as everyone else. Yeah. So yeah, so they ride back into town mm-hmm. badly. I think you noticed that yeah. they're riding side by side, but one of them is riding really hard, and the other's back in his saddle, and that yeah. Work. So you've got Tonto lent forward; he's riding hard, yeah. he's gunning for it, and then you've got the Lone Ranger in that one shot. There, he was kind of lent forward a little bit, but uh, for the most part, when it cuts back to just the Ranger, he's stiff back, straight up in the saddle, bouncing up and down a little bit. I can't help but think you can't ride quickly with, like that. No, no, you can't. No, so you can't ride comfortably like that for a long distance. Yeah, and then so they go into the, they go back to Del Rio, and they come across the one last. The one, like the surviving ranger, right. who has become a drunk and hates his life. And was it the tavern keeper who shot him, or does the tavern keeper run away and go get someone? It looks like the tavern, because the tavern keeper comes back in with the sheriff. Right. So, so, so he went and got someone. So probably he went and got the sheriff, and the sheriff took care of it. Someone working for the sheriff slash cabin. Yeah. So someone runs back in around the back and yeah, leans blows him away and, and, him. and then he escapes. And yeah, that's right. And at that point, somehow they've captured Tonto. He told Tonto to wait outside, I guess, and Tonto was just, I don't know, picking his teeth by the front door. Or going on a crime spree, one or the other, because oh. god damn it, they want to hang him fast. They never say what for, and actually they even say they that in the- They make a point of that. I don't guess anyone stopped to ask what Tonto was guilty of. 
That didn't stop him from wanting to see him swinging high above. But Tano showed no sign of fear. And he held on to a fervent hope that the masked man wouldn't let his blood brother hang from the end of a rope. But there's a mob that literally drags him out of the jail cell again. Yeah. Check that box on the stereotype. Existing well native. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and I said that the angry mob and the hanging scene. And then holy shit, 1950s Lone Ranger. This yeah. guy on a, on a moving horse from looks like a hundred meters is able to shoot the guns out of people's hands, break the let the wooden lever for the, uh, yep. for the gallows and then take out the, um, the rope, the rope galloping at full speed from a hundred meters firing from the hip, firing from the hip or Straight forward, I would guess. I don't think. I, I think there was a couple of shots where he was right at the hip. Whatever it was, it was. But you know what? I accept that because this is the Lone Ranger. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's. I think this is the one Lone Rangery part of this movie, The Legend of the Lone Ranger. Yeah. And yeah, so off he goes, and you know, there's all this build up in that scene of the angry mob and and all this, and then he's in and out in like twenty seconds. It's yeah. Like, and 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 like you said, nobody fired back. Nobody chased them. Yeah. They he all didn't just confront anyone. He yeah. doesn't. I would like to have seen more of him. Maybe him confronting the sheriff. That would have been a, that would have been an opportunity to deal with the sheriff. This man works yeah. for Cavendish, because everyone seems to suddenly have heard of this masked man. Though apparently this is his first encounter. So I would like to have seen him turn the crowd against the sheriff. Yeah, that would have been all right. That would have been to me again. All these scenes that should have, could have, should have, would have been, and they aren't. And then we get to see. Then then we learn it's all about a you, you know, President Ulysses S. Grant, who was a general in the Civil War, coming to visit uh, Texas. They've mentioned it for a while, but this is the second. This is only the second time we've ever heard of it. The first time that they mentioned that Ulysses S. Grant is coming to Texas is um, well in the tavern, in, bar, bar, whatever. Well, no, it was when they were going to bed. And yeah, the brothers shot right there, where uh, right, John right, right, Dan. Dan are talking. That's right, and that's right. we get that great line about uh, in Rob in Texas, robbers are hung in. In DC. They're, they're elected. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And then we get to meet, and of course, they brought in every actual Western name. Yeah. Wild was... Bill. Every, like, it's, it's like, who are some Western, who are some, like, Western movie guys who are real? Yeah. Let's include them. Yeah. So there is George Armstrong Custer, yeah. who includes the bad joke. You know, Sit down, Custer, I'll send you to Montana, Montana. Which is where Little Bighorn was. Yes. Um, yeah. And then there's Wild Bill Hillcock, and who's the other one? Um, uh, Buffalo Bill. Buffalo, Buffalo Bill. Bill. And these guys are just there for window dressing. Yeah. They're they, there. Oh, I know that name. That's a real Western guy. It, it's kind of just like a cute little nod to, hey, look, people. Yeah, it just... We're, we're legit, honest. Yeah. See, look. Actually, yeah. Jason Robards, he does a pretty good job of Ulysses S. Grant. Yeah, you did all right. He looks like him. I can't say he acted like him because I wasn't around, but he he acts like I would expect a, a former Union general who really liked his bourbon to act. Although he seemed relatively sober. I think he kind of sobered up when he became president. Yeah. So. Okay. Fair but, enough. Yeah, like I said, there's the old joke that uh, when they when, when Lincoln promoted him to general of the army, like like in charge of the army, they said, "But but Mr. President, he's a drunk." And he said, "Well, find out what he's drinking and send a case to over one of my generals because he seems to know what he's doing." Something along those lines. It's like, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, he was. I mean. All the best generals from West Point worked for the South. Yeah, um, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Yeah, here. Most most Northern Civil War generals were kind of bad uh, until he came along, but he was brutal. Right, like the march to the sea. That's him. Like he was. Grant was not a gentle man. So yeah. And what happened? So the church. So this is when we're right. in the church and uh, right. Another another. Yeah, we missed the part where the town crier gets shot. 
Because um, apparently oh, he because walked, of course that was he at yeah, De Los Muertos. Yeah, yeah, he got shot. And I remember that was because he, he collapses on the table. What's wrong? The newspaper. And they just let him drop there on the table. But anyway. Yeah, that's, just yeah. bleed on the table. There's yeah, stuff there. Screw that. Uh, probably food. I don't know. Well, that was, I think it was uh, pottery, but it's all on the floor oh, anyway. Oh, wow. Because don't you know in movies that when you fall on a table, your arms go before you and you throw everything out of the way? Right. That's the way it goes. Come on. Of course. So th- this is the second, like they've got the new town crier, the new gopher boy. And he says, <laughs> the, you know, father so-and-so wants to see you. And it turns out it's uh, it's the Lone Ranger who does a very bad accent. You sent for me, father? Yes, my child. Your writings, they are very brave. Yeah, it sounded so... Just, Good evening. Yeah, it, <laughs> it almost pushed into like Southeast European. Yeah, I, do not, I do not drink. It was wine. as good as no. um, Kevin Costner's English accent in Robin Hood. He, but he gave up on that after a few scenes. Yeah, that's true. Because it was bad. Well, they should have gone back and redubbed those scenes, but okay. I still like that movie. I actually, yeah, really, I actually really uh, like that movie. Too. We would do it, but it's 1992, so it's a little out of our range. But I enjoyed that film. So yeah, so essentially, it's it's. Um, I'm not sure why John Reed. Sorry, now he's the Lone Ranger. Does this? He he goes and he chats up Amy, Amy Stryker. I think it's just to reassure her that well, because he justice wants to is see coming. Her. Yeah, he wants to see her. She runs the newspaper, and he wants her to run the story that Cavendish King has been beaten. Yeah, I guess so. So. But it seems kind of silly because he already knows she's alive because he passed her that first night in the village, yeah. in, in the town. Remember but he this? hasn't gotten to talk to her since. And he's yeah. still in love with her ostensibly. Yeah, there, fair enough. There was all that chemistry. There was. Yeah, that's, that, that's true. Sparks were flying. Chemicals were going everywhere. But then they were talking in the corner. They were not at all involved in any of that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so then, yeah, it's just, again, like there are the, the biggest sin that a, a movie can do that's a romance is to have two actors who clearly have no chemistry. It's like, yeah. I get you're a big name, but... If you two can't look like you'd want to at least hold hands, we got to find a different actor. Gene Siskel put it perfectly. In the story, the young ranger, played by Clinton Spilsbury, you'll notice I didn't call him actor Clinton Spilsbury. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he did his damnedest. It just wasn't good enough. And I did my damnedest to be a swimsuit model, but you know what? It wasn't good enough. So don't, don't picture that shit. But no, it's just. I'm just. So we've got a Facebook chat. Yeah, no, <laughs> let's leave there it there. A, there was a joke about a sling mankini made recently. Yeah. And now Farron claiming to be a swimsuit model is only slightly traumatizing me. Yeah, I, I, I can't not. I can't unimagine that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, thank the, you, Farron. The, 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 the this I, is your fault. The picture I sent was a Borat, so fuck off. <laughs> that, that's the Borat in the Borat. Yeah. The, no, no. The, the the we, we were aware. We're aware of that. Anyway, I just, yeah. yeah. No, I don't wear mankinis. Thank you. Um, <laughs> anyway, back, back to this amazing movie, which we're enraptured by. Uh, they they jump on the on the on the presidential train. It goes into a tunnel, and then a few seconds later, the presidential car, which is the, the caboose, comes back the way it came at quite the speed. I must say. Well, now hang on. Let's let's take a look at this because there's a bit of space in between there too. We get a lot of really 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 good cinematography here. And the, oh, yeah. the train and, set. Yeah, you and, can't skip the train. Oh, set. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, where he's, yeah, it's the Doc Brown model without the wind-up DeLorean in exactly. it. Yeah, and it's, yeah. yeah, he points. This is this car, and you'll separate here, and you'll jump here. And let me show you my plan for sending you home. Please excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to build it to scale at a pay. Cold tender, soldier's car, club car, presidential car. But if you do remember when they are holding up that model, 
even as the train is going into the tunnel, it's still going upwards. It's always going uphill. Yeah, I guess so. I hadn't thought about that. But I'll tell you what, uh, like, Ulysses S. Grant is really a sound sleeper. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. notice his car stopping and then slowly rolling back. Well, I, hear, I hear bourbon helps with that. I've heard that too. I, I, I should find out sometime, but then I don't want to get kidnapped by Butch Cavendish. Seems fair. Seems fair, well, yeah. We'll just take you out a little ways uh, out into the mountains, a little town called Field. And leaving for dead? Well, no. There's, there's a town <laughs> called Field, and right beside Field on the CPR line is the Spiral Tunnel. And Spiral Tunnel is a train tunnel that goes up the mountain, inside yep. the mountain, and trains get stuck in there all the damn time. <laughs> Claustrophobic and afraid of heights. Guess where Farron's <laughs> not going. Um, yeah, so no. I'll, uh, I'll bring you your bucket. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, so yeah, so he's kidnapped. Uh, what I do like is that he is treated with the dignity afforded his office. He's not Absolutely. entrained. I actually like that. That's a nice touch. Well, Cavendish is still a major. Well, in, in, his, in his brain. In his he brain, insists yeah. that he be referred to as major. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look, the first scene where we see them together, they're in like a, a billiards room and they're drinking and he's given his own room. Like, first off, where's the guy going to go? So he yeah. can't escape, but he's, he's an older man. But it's interesting that he does, like, they have dinner and he's his guest. Yeah. He's not, he's not treating him. He's not in chains. He's not being hung from the wall. Right. It's very um, civilized. It's it very is. civilized. Except he, uh, Cavendish keeps talking while you, while Grant is lining up his shot. Yeah. That was a nice touch that he made it. Yeah. After all the distractions and the yeah, false yeah. starts. Also, and, you know, I don't think personal space and propriety is really big on Cavendish's list of things to do. Yeah, but it was all very, very, very dignified. Yeah. The, the appropriate oh, yeah. social until this. And then you're like, oh yeah, he's a sociopath. He can't shut up while somebody's trying to play pool. That's how <laughs> is I that what a sociopath is defined as? Well, it's trouble with social cues, right? Doesn't doesn't care about the other person. The normal person steps yeah. back and shuts up, and that, yeah. and then you talk. Although he could just be an asshole who doesn't care if he makes the shot in pool or not. Asshole, sociopath, yeah, potato, potato. Anyway, <laughs> it's a spectrum, um, really. So then they have dinner, and then Clinton Spillsbury, Lone Ranger, John Reed. Bad actor and Tonto, who's had three lines, they sneak into during the night into into his uh, uh, his well guarded compound, yeah, uh, managed by his highly trained army. Who, which which is a pretty interesting scene because he creatively uses a horse and rope to get up over the wall. Th- that horse is pretty damn well trained. He trained that horse fast, well trained. But again, Silver is probably smarter, smarter than, than the Lone Ranger. Ranger yeah, mm. it was actually Silver's plan. <laughs> <laughs> He is actually the horse whisperer. The thing is that the horse tells him what to do. No, 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 no. Silver is the idiot whisperer. So, uh, yeah, so. I watched that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they sneak in and they give the. First off, they they pistol whip the uh, <laughs> the sheriff with yeah. the barrel of the gun. Well, they, they interrogate him. And this is the best interrogation ever. Where is. Uh, Grant. Yeah. I don't know. And then... He threatens to scalp scalp him. him. And then he goes, he's in the next room! That was hard. Yeah. And then (laughs) then they pistol whip him with the barrel. Also seems like the light end. Well, yeah. You you, you hit him with the heavy end, wouldn't you? Yeah. You you (laughs) want to hit him with the heavy end because it hurts more. Yeah. And you're not bending the barrel. Also, it's it's blunt force trauma as opposed to stabbing him with a piece of metal. Yeah. You don't bonk in the forehead with a tube of metal is one thing. (laughs) Bonk is... You know, it's much better. It is, yeah. I'm starting to think this movie isn't as high quality as I thought. I'm just, I don't know. Anyway. Well, parts, yeah. parts of it are. Yeah. Parts of it, yeah. It moments. So, he gives uh, Grant a gun and then tells him to hide and not use it. Right. They set up a lot of dynamite. And I can't help but notice they're using like five sticks of dynamite per, like, setup. And I'm thinking, that much dynamite, you wouldn't have to worry about escaping because you'd be killing the shockwave with everyone else. 
Well, the- Farron, didn't you know that dynamite only comes in bundles of five? It's the Bugs Bunny theory. It is. That's right. I, they they That's did, right. and they were they in the were. room with all the they they switched to well, to the Bugs Bunny cartoon for they a minute. Were the better way that they could have shot that scene was them getting into the room, shut the door. Oh, it's dark. Light, Light a match. A match. <laughs> oh, and then Tonto just reach over and put out the match with his fingers. That would have been funny, actually. <laughs> that would have been much. Funny. Congratulations, you are more well qualified done. to write this movie than the five goers who did. So yeah, so there. I mean, it ends with a lot of explosions and. We actually went back and rewound this because you saw the springboard <laughs> that threw the guy into... I mean, there was the one before where the guy comes off the... Uh, well, the first off is the three people who dive off the balcony. In, per- in, in perfect sync. Yeah. Syn- synchronized. We all after that. That was oh, yeah, amazing. That was and then there's the other guy who goes flying sideways across the porch. Like, I'm convinced just, that was a dummy. No, no. I was no, that was a stunt guy. Was it? But I'm, yeah, he I'm had sure a rope had, on him. I'm sure he had a wire. Like Because he just... Yeah. He flew, man. Like, yeah. And then there's the one... In, in, that you saw, we gets thrown into the river. We actually rewound it and paused it. We could see the springboard. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'll ask, how many worst shots were left on the cutting room floor? We went, fuck it, man. I don't care. We got to get this out for next week. Just print it. You know? <laughs> I bet you that they probably had enough to do one take of that, and that was it. Because in that scene, you've got explosions going off, you've got a horse running past, and you've got a guy flying off the springboard all at the same time. It's It's possible, but See, in this day and age, I don't think they use a real horse. Yeah. No, CG, in this day and age, they would. They'd CG the horse in. And, and also CG out yeah, the springboard. The springboard. And that wasn't <laughs> an option. I mean, that's one thing. Like, all the stunts in this movie, to give them credit where credit is due, they're yeah. all practical. Like, 100%. there's that one where the guy jumps on, jumps on the train. And he almost eats it. Oh, well, and, and it's like he's on the edge of a mountain down into this gorgeous river valley. Now, I'm sure it was perfectly safe. I'm sure it was wire-guided in the whole nine yards. But if that was a, a yeah. blue screen... Did a better job than the Indiana Jones films did. Yeah. Because that looked awfully real to me. Yeah. That, that one where his legs buckled, yeah. all three of us went, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there were a couple of cases here where you got to wonder, these guys, one bad run and, and you know, this movie has an insurance problem. Like yeah. That's why stunt guys get paid. Yeah. The funny thing is, they actually, they don't. I always assume they're paid really well, and they're really, really not. They're paid like shit. Wow. I didn't. Uh, my mother was watching a documentary. They're very badly paid. Huh. Oh. That's a shame. Yeah. And these days, you know, in a lot of cases, there are no... I mean, the stunts are mostly, it's all wire work. Yeah. But because it's all CG, there's no there's no danger. Yeah. You don't... Like, these days, this would all be done on a set. Yeah. With, with, with the train car. Yeah. And green. And that'd be it. Yeah, there you, would be a lot of green involved in that. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the stunts in this movie, with the exception of the people flying through the air, are, are really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are some great set pieces here. The writing is fantastic. A lot of the cinematography is beautiful. Well, except for, again, Clinton Spilsbury. You know what it is? It's when they can have the actual riders on their horses. Yeah. Then it looks good. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you've got professional riders, like in the scene that we're actually coming up to yeah. here, in the next few scenes, there's some great riding. Here. Yeah, oh, where, yeah, where the Lone Ranger chases uh, Butch Cavendish. And yeah. You could see the wavering in quality. Like, mm-hmm. okay, here are the actual actors on the horses. Yeah. And here's the stuntmen on the horses who are obviously horse stuntmen. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever go to the Calgary Stampede and you watch the Cowboy Up Challenge, that is incredible horsemanship. What is it? What is uh, that? So it's essentially just going through the series of challenges, like walking your horse across a plank bridge, watching walking them across a balance beam, getting them to spin in a about five foot wide circle. And these are this is a, like these are actual pros doing it. These this are actually like some cowboys okay. doing oh, okay. this. And it's incredibly, incredibly difficult yeah. to get these horses to do this. Well, we often forget that, like we live in. I mean. We live in and around Calgary. You live in Edmonton, but the same thing between us is, and around us is a whole lot of honest to god cowboys. Yeah, who do this? Yeah. This is what they do. Yeah, this is their life. You know, it's just, and that's that's kind of cool. Like, yeah, so like, it ends with in a fist fight, which 
neither of these actors knows how to fight. It's like Captain they, Kirk level fist fighting. Yeah, sort it's of. Except, Kirk it, it, versus the Gorn. Yeah, well, <laughs> but that's. I mean, everyone always laughs at that because that's the worst staged fight ever. Um, Second they, worst, but, no. Yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, by the way, they pass Vasquez Rock in this movie. Yes. Yep. With I assume you know the Gorn and and uh, Kirk in the background. By the way, they did a great advertisement for the Star Trek video game where they actually had William Shatner and a dude in a Gorn outfit. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, fight it out in a den. It's, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Oh no! Sorry, sorry. We got it backwards. They blow up the gate, the longest oh, yes. fuse ever, and then in runs the cavalry because where the fuck have these guys been? Yeah. But in runs Custer with his cavalry. That's when uh, uh, Cavendish makes a run for it. Yeah. There's the fight. He gets led back, and he and he says, "Like I know the name of the man who's rescued me. I prefer to remain anonymous." And as yeah. he rides off, who was that masked man? Because that's isn't that the way that's, every episode yeah. ends? Who was who was that, that masked man? Yeah. Or as apparently they used to say about Spillsbury on the set, who was that masked asshole? So apparently he wasn't well liked. I believe uh, that. Well, you know what? My understanding is that he he thought this was his big break, and maybe it could have been, but he immediately the big break comes after the movie hits theaters and yeah. people confirm it as such. It's a big break when everyone likes the movie. Yes. It's not a big break when Siskel and Eber send this thing up in flames and you acted like a twit with no emotion on the set. And that's the kicker. Yeah. Like it's, and that's the thing. He just, look, even a bad movie, an actor can survive it and do well. But he decided he was a big name the minute he was cast. Yeah. Because I guess it was, like I said, it was a world, it was a, a nationwide talent search. And I was like, we found our man. It's, it was all in the news. How? How did this guy win? I think he looked the part. I honest to God think that's what it was. He looked the part. He uh, did have a good blow dryer. He did. He's not a. He was not a bad looking guy. He's no. got that chin thing. Like he's got an etched chin. It, he. He was a. He was a model. He is a good looking man, and maybe that's all they thought they needed. There's good looking dudes all over the all over the joint. I know, and some of them can even act. Right. So, and then he rides off into the sunset, sunrise. I'm gonna guess sunset. I would go set. Sun, yeah. Sunset, and never to act in a movie again. Yeah, so that's the movie. So, I don't know, what do you guys think on a scale of one to I need a drink? Where do you guys stand on this, Adam? I still got to drive, so drink later. <laughs> you got, so this has driven you to drink just I, in the future? I will, I will have a beer and think of how much better it is than watching this movie. Fair enough. How about you, Heather? I will also have a beer and try not to remember this. <laughs> I, drink I, to forget. I, I like the horse work. I like the scenery. I like yeah. the camera work. The music was good. Too bad it didn't come with a movie. Yeah, no, and I would agree. It's like when I saw Rad, I was frustrated. Remember, I said I said that the frustrating thing is that there was a good movie in there somewhere, and they just forgot to show it. Here, they actually show parts of it, like you say, the cinematography, some of the stunt work, the horse work, uh, the sets are well done. I had no yeah, issue with yeah. that. The costuming, except for him, but again, I understand that they wanted to just snap right back to the 1950s. Right. Fine, but it, their problem, I think, even the script could have been overcome if they'd had actors. Yeah, but the two best actors here have almost no like uh, Christopher Lloyd and Jason Robards. Yeah. These are both okay. Christopher Lloyd at the time wasn't, but Jason Robards certainly was a right. heavyweight, serious A list actor. But they were given you, you can only do so much with what you got. Yeah, and I, they got nothing. Yeah, I think that the problem was is that the core or the skeleton of this movie was just not there. They had high concept, like, all concept, no movie. Yeah, they had lots of bits of fluff. They had lots of things just padding it out on the outside yeah. that would have really added so much to a good set of actors yeah. and script but yeah. yeah 
But even that, like, you know, we keep saying f- for the um, Indiana Jones movies, they play the march and the audience stands up and cheers. Yeah. They forgot to do that with this because they have the music. They have the scene. Yeah. Well, even they, well, like Gene Siskel says it in the review. Why do they wait an hour to show this guy? And they didn't even do it well. No, they didn't. You're right. Like, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, here comes the, oh, never mind. Yeah. yeah. The big reveal is a 20-second scene where he rides by, Tonto jumps on, and away we go. Well, no, before that, there is them they did, they did play the They well, did play the overture. Yeah, yeah um, the overture's played twice. Yeah. But that's not the action. There's, there's no I know. heroics. It's just them the, running. The away. first hour should have been about 20 minutes, 30 minutes if you're yeah. pushing it. I think 30 minutes would be. And then there should have been more in between where we see the rise of the Lone Ranger as right. this known man. This, yeah. You know, But it is what it is, and it ain't much. So, any last comments before we all reach for Rotgut booze and to forget well before we all go i'm just gonna jump in here really quick uh thank everybody for listening to another episode of we came from the 80s i'd like to invite you to head on over to our social media pages on instagram twitter and facebook and check us out at at we came from the 80s we're going to be posting a lot more uh i've recently begun taking over the role of social media if you could do us all a favor and head on over there follow us and keep up to date on the hottest nerd 80s movie news uh on top of that if you wanted to find us on iTunes, search for At We Came From The 80s, and if you want to leave us a nice little rating and review there, maybe next time Farron won't have us ride off into the sunset before the movie starts. (laughs) And we're done now.